Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Boy, do I got some news for you guys today. We're going to go in the Wayback Machine, and it's yeah. going to be awesome. Um, look, stock nerds, market lovers, uh, really super interesting week with uh, jobs report. Uh, just the market itself in a shortened week. A uh, little, little hectic uh, price action-wise. And we'll get to all that uh, in a moment, and we'll set you up for the week coming forward to make this show not only informational, uh, a little bit entertaining, hopefully, uh, but more importantly, that it's a practical application for you Danny, this is a Danny-heavy show. You promised me you would be in studio. You're not in studio, so I planned a Danny-heavy show. Um, so we'll see how that goes, uh, and then uh, and then we'll get we'll get cranking um, uh, with Don, and then we'll get you going on your way here. But Stockton's Mark lovers, uh, let's start. Let's start with Top Gun. <laughs> let's start with Top Gun. I was about to start with um, some. What, what this market pretty much is going to be hinging on. Uh, but it's a little heavy, right? Sure. Yeah, it's a little heavy. And so uh, Zach walks in and goes, hey, did you see Top Gun? And I'm like, I don't care. And uh, But my wife saw it, and she loves it. you know. And uh, she's like, it's the best movie ever. And then it got me thinking, um, does anybody die in the movie? Like, I, I, cause I well, think that's, we can't talk about that on here. That's spoilers. Is right? that spoilers? That's- Potentially. Oh, I meant. Yeah, I meant a spoiler. Yeah, the movie that came out this week. That is the biggest week. type of spoiler <laughs> that you can have. Yeah. I can't say. Oh, I can't main say. character died. Is that oh, a spoiler? Yeah, I don't Tom know. Cruise Did Tom Cruise die? I, That's I, great. I can't say. I can't. I've seen I, it. I, meant, I don't know if you I meant, I meant in combat. Because. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I meant in physical warfare because Top Gun that seems to. Zach says, yeah, it's a safe movie for the ladies. Not a lot of blood and guts. I know a lot of I know a lot of chicks that like it. It's and, weird. And, and I'm uh, look, I'm 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 like Beyonce, all the single ladies. Like I I don't care for all the blood and guts. Sure, but um, well, we'll put it this way: if somebody was talking about Top Gun one and they said, "Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, yeah, well, Goose dies." Would that be? Uh, oh, we're back. A, we're back to this. <laughs> you can't. Oh, can we just title who dies in it? Yeah, can like, we just whoa, title whoa, this whoa. part of the show? Tim doesn't know what a spoiler is. No, because <laughs> that's funny. Um, yes, we can. Yes, yes, we can. Uh-huh. Um, I think we have the technology, gentlemen. Yeah, um, that's a six million dollar man reference. Is that what um, is? So, oh hell yeah, it is. But Top Gun, dude. Uh, who was the the Fall Guy played? Uh, uh, Bionic Man. Who was Bionic Man? I have no Steve idea. Austin. Wow, Dude, Danny Majors. Lee Majors. Lee Majors, Majors. yes, Lee thank Majors. you. Thank you, yes. Steve Austin was the... And Lindsay Wagner was the bionic woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jamie right. Summers. Yeah. Oh, what, what's that? Jamie Summers? Her name, yeah. Jamie Summers. That was her 
uh, stage name. She had know, super her, hearing. Her, uh, character name. Yeah, sure she had did. good hearing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Top Gun is the A-Team. Nobody died in the A-Team. Is that a spoiler? I don't think if you watched the entire episodic run of Never the A-Team. Never once. I don't think no anyone. No guest is, star. No special guests. I don't think anybody has ever died. Ever. In, and, and now that we're talking about it, I think the A-Team and the Incredible Hulk are really the same show. We're really, we're really spinning off in <laughs> obscurity here. No, uh, think about it. They were both, be, the, the Incredible Hulk was being tracked by some army dude, right? Sure. Like trying to capture him, like, hey, you got to bring a, him back. He's a scientist with gamma radiation. The A-Team is America's elite fighting force. Yeah, but the A-Team was being tracked by probably the same army dude from the Incredible Hulk. Couldn't get the Hulk, so he's going to get the A-Team. Well, it's one, one America, one army, I'd assume, across shows. Top Gun, man, most popular movie in the world. You should I, go see it. No, it's good. I, zero desire. I, I zero desire to go see it. Hey, look, it's only two and a half hours. That's tickets only going to cost you twenty four dollars. That is a long time to sit still. <laughs> so look, I love it. So Danny, this is where the Danny part of the show um, becomes interesting. So let me show you something um, here. So um, where do I want to start? I'm going to start it here. So. Janet Yellen uh, gives me a mea culpa this week. She says, I was wrong. And let's not be cynical to the point where we don't say, hey, somebody admitted they were wrong, right? But she failed to see what like 99% of Americans who go to work every day, shop for food every day, put the kids through school every day, saw a year ago. Which really, maybe we want to talk about the, uh, the isolation that some of our public officials might be encountering when they live their daily lives because they don't live like the rest of us. You ever see that part in People magazine, Zach, where uh, people like like stars, they're just like the rest of us. You yeah. know, like, and it's a little people saying in the People magazine, now of they course. do it online, yeah. Yeah, I'm just Jennifer Aniston, Jenny looks Yellen. so good at 50. Yeah. She's just like the rest of us. Yeah, Jenny yeah. Yellen, not like the rest of us. Joe Biden, like none of our government officials are like the rest of us. They don't go to the Piggly Wiggly to pick up their spam. They're... They're getting, they're getting beef bourguignon, right. which is uh, Julia Child's most favorite uh, famous dish. Okay, so now, Janet Yellen says she was wrong. Here's the thing. Zacharuski, Danny Ruski. Here's the thing. In an interview with uh, Becky Quick, and I've kind of highlighted it there, uh, uh, efforts at, um, let me just get my cursor so people can see this. I'm going to link to everything like I always do in the show. Prescription, she, they're going to try to bring the costs down of prescription drugs, the, uh, and, oil, and they're going to try to get more, more pumping of oil. Can I just tell you an oil story real quick? So uh, OPEC, yesterday morning, uh, today's Friday. Uh, what is today's date? The 3rd. Yep. Uh, June 2nd, news opens. OPEC going to pump more. And I'm like, oh, that, maybe that lowers the price of oil. It does not lower the price of oil. As a matter of fact, I'm picking up the kids from daycare, sitting across from the Kroger, and I'm like, God, gas is four forty-five. Yeah. And I know there's other states higher. Don't yell at me. All right. Having heart palpitations in the parking lot. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, but it was lower last week before we were going to pump more oil from OPEC. Right. Sure. And as I'm sitting at the stoplight, it literally went to uh, 475. And I'm like, <laughs> you saw it change live. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Like what happened at whatever time I'm sitting at the stoplight? Hey, we just got the word uh, going up. Like, like 1973 is, all over again. Seriously, it's nuts. And and but here's the point, right? They're going to try to do everything. And and look, I'm not. I am pro consumer. Like I'm just like you at home. I am like you at home. I would enjoy lower gasoline prices, food prices, daycare prices, everything prices. Right? I would enjoy that very much. So so 
I am not living. Of course. We should uh, make everything cheaper. Why not? Right. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. This isn't going to fix the inflation problem. And this playbook has already been written. So little known fact, Zach, I have trouble sleeping. Got a lot going on, Is right? Is that a little known fact? Little known fact. So uh, you can go to my screen and me. My screen and me sounds like a Teddy Ruxpin commercial. My screen and me. My screen and me. And so they want to bring prices down. And I, right away when I read that the other day, I'm like, this is a stimulative effect to the economy, which is kind of a problem. And I know it sounds counterintuitive, but if we somehow pump more money into the economy, it's going to have a stimulative effect. And that's kind of what we don't need right now to get this inflation under wraps. And so I think Tom Gerald and Danny, this is where I don't think we can get Danny. Can we Danny on the lower right-hand corner? Can people see Danny and uh, Tom Gerald? Give me a minute. Yeah, I can, I can do that. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll keep talking. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And so, because uh, Paul Volcker is going to come on the screen here in a second. Sure. And he's going to explain this much better than I can, okay? Yeah. But Paul Vol- uh, Danny, who was Paul Volcker? Uh, he was the Fed chairman in the early 80s. Carter appointed him to kill inflation. So he took interest rates up into double digits and killed inflation. Okay. And so, and the economy. yeah. And, but that's what he had yeah. to have demand destruction. He had to create demand destruction to get inflation under wraps. So you could get that beautiful 1982 through whenever run in the economy. I, I don't know if that's where we're headed, but whether it's, uh, direct payments to people, whether it's a relief, and we've talked about it, um, uh, of college debt, which will be very, very stimulative for a bunch of people. Like, I'm all for that. I'm pro-people. But if, if, if inflation is the issue here, and the Fed's, the Fed's only done two rate hikes, and they really haven't started uh, tightening, we're going to get that in a second, we're going to... We're in a little bit more trouble here, and I think we're on a path to S&P 500, S&P 500 to 3,500. S&Ps are trading considerably higher right now. You ready for me, Zach? Sure. Yeah, pop me up uh, with, the, with the sound. So uh, little known fact here. I don't fall asleep. I said that before I opened this segment. Uh, we're a Graham, uh, the, he's now, Graham's going to be six months old this month. Crazy. And so Graham, though, uh, is, is ill. And so we are taking care of Christopher and uh, feeding him. And so uh, it leads to some very late nights. And so um, I'm like, what am I going to use to fall asleep? I don't know. I open up the YouTuber. It's got an algorithm for me. Sure. And it feeds me this. The, uh, it feeds me the complete weekend broadcast from, um, where's my marker? Oh, my marker doesn't work on here. Okay. That's all right. We're cool. So I guess my marker's not engaged. Oh, I didn't start my marker. That's fine. It feeds me the complete broadcast from February 1st, 1981. Let me take you back in case you weren't born yet. <laughs> I was young. I was young. Picture. I might have been four Put or five. Put us in the time machine. So we go back in the, way, in the time machine, right? In the way back machine. Yeah. And Reagan has just taken office in, on January 20th, January 21st of 1981. He's barely, yeah. barely been in office, okay? And Tom Gerald, weekend anchor for... World news tonight. This is before uh, Frank Reynolds. Frank Reynolds got ill and passed away. Uh, Peter Jennings and uh, oh, um, 
some other fellow, I can't, I can't, Steve Robinson or something, did the broadcast, okay? Mm-hmm. Tom Gerald's weekend anchor. And we get Paul Volcker. You ready? Yep. Let's do it. A major part of the ongoing battle to control inflation has been the tight money policies of the Federal Reserve Board, which have also driven up the prime rate. Today, the chairman of the Fed, Paul Volcker, was asked by ABC's Barry Serafin if he expects to ease the money and credit squeeze soon. We don't intend to ease up in the sense of permitting more rapid growth of money and credit because that would uh, reinstitute the very problem we're trying to deal with. Think about that. What he just said is so critical to understanding what's taking place right now in 2022. We can't do anything to ease the burden. Let me let me uh, read uh, between the lines here. We cannot ease the burden on the consumer. We cannot do anything to take your pain away because if we do, it's going to exacerbate the problem to which we already have. And if I'm not mistaken, Danny, Paul Volcker said that with almost a smile on his face. Well, he was on TV. <laughs> what, is that your take, Daniel? Uh, well, he, he did what he had to do, and now they're going to have to do something here. What scares me is the Biden administration was talking about, you know, these evil oil companies gouge, price gouging, and I'm worried they're going to try to price fix, which is what they did in 1973 with the oil embargo. All that did was drive prices higher. So if you start yeah. price fixing or you try to do political uh, uh programs to help ease the burden that just still causes a it may may make it even worse but yes the fed cannot ease up right now because if you start giving money if you start handing out money again that was the problem in the first place you're going to cause inflation again it's you know? real, so every yeah. time you hear them say we're going to curb demand whenever you hear those words curb demand that means putting people out of work and causing pain just replace it with putting people out of work and causing pain. Yeah, this is a really tough situation because the jobs report came out today, and it wasn't so bad. I, whatever the number is, like 339,000, 300,000 jobs created. The employment uh, participation rate ticked up, which is a good thing. That means more people are coming off the sidelines. And they're probably, I mean, if we're being honest, they're coming off the sidelines to do what? the effects of inflation. They need more money to live the standard of quality of life for which they're living. But we're only two rate hikes into this thing. This thing is far from over. It's, it's probably not going to be until another, what, 12, 18 months? The, this rate, the, the rate, the, they have to kill. I mean, the jobs aren't coming down, and that's a great thing. This isn't a bad thing. Like, I, you don't want people to be unemployed. Yeah, ideally. I mean, but that, I mean, but it's wage inflation that's a big component of our inflation issue. And I, I'm all for people getting paid more. I don't know how they fix this, Danny, without creating such a mess that they then come back in. To stimulate it. And let me just put it a little bit more in perspective and I'll get Danny's uh, thoughts on this. In times of slowdown, what the Fed normally does is they loosen monetary policy 
And let me show you what that looks like on a chart. So they loosen monetary policy. And what does that mean? The money supply goes up. And so well, what, what does that mean, Tim? And so if you look at my screen, Zach, can you zoom in so I don't have to? Yeah, a little bit. Thanks, man. So look at the money supply increasing, increasing, increasing. You know, there's 2016, 2018, market generally an uptrend. But then we hit 2020, right? And we all know pandemic hits. And what did the Fed do? They just skyrocketed the money supply up. They loosened the supply of money. And what did the markets respond with? Huge moves higher. After, after downdraft, right? The Fed comes in and says, oh, big downdraft. We better stimulate. So they stimulate, and then, and then you get where we're at. And it's super interesting to me, and I, as I zoom in on this chart, what you're going to notice is, Don, what is the uh, NASDAQ down year-to-date right now? Like 22 23%? Uh, one second. It is down uh, 21%. Well, and then add... 2.4% for right now, so 23.4. Okay, 23.4%. Okay, this is the small blip that we've had to the money supply to date. That's it. That's the only blip we've had, and we're already down in the NASDAQ 23.4%. If they continue to go down the path that they're on, I think we need to listen to what Paul Volcker said in 1981. Because this thing is far from that. And now Danny. Here is where we get into the I read something and Danny comments it, comments on it. You ready, Danny? Sure. Man, this is going to be so great with you with you in studio, but we'll we'll make the best of it. Uh let me show you this. Zach, Zach, Zach. So a lot of, there's been a lot of, I don't know if there's been a lot of questions. I feel that the amount of people that are concerned about this, I mean, everyone's concerned about the economy, but I feel the people that are concerned about the triggers, uh, like, and, and what's going to happen over the course of this month is like a small, minute part. Like, I don't think it's a very big piece. Mm. And that's that, but that kind of goes to what we do here at Revere, right? Like most, it's about 51, 53% of Americans take part in the stock market. Like this much of that, 51, 53%, right? As far as the eye can see, yeah. is um, probably passive 401ks, IRAs, right? Through your work, you're ju- you just, you know, because the whole industry uh, doesn't act in the way they, we do, right? We're not asset gatherers, we're asset protectors. Where we, we want, we're so concerned, of course we want a great return, but we're, we're, we're always, first and foremost, your asset protectors, meaning we want to return your capital before we want to return on your capital. We, would, we want a great return on your capital. But how many people with the NASDAQ down 23.4%, the S&P is down what, down 13 14%? How many are wishing? S&P is down, yeah. Yeah. 14. How many people wish they had asset folks like the folks at Revere right now? The Fed, I, 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 we can't stress this enough. It's not alarmism. The Fed is not your friend here. They are not going to be your friend. And the, we are in a, Paul Volcker steered the ship. Janet Yellen is no Paul Volcker. Jay Powell, I'm not sure, is a Paul Volcker. I mean, time will tell, history will judge. But right now, the, they have missed it greatly. And so now they need to overcorrect 
And that overcorrection, unfortunately, is going to be extremely painful. And, and I, I'm not looking forward to it one bit. Um, so, Danny, the Federal Reserve's portfolio runoff has just begun. This is just from yesterday, okay? Central Bank is going to exit $9. trillion from their portfolio. But the mechanics of it are super interesting. Danny, you're never going to – well, you, Danny will believe it because Danny knows all this. But it's the folks at home that don't know this. So let me just scroll slowly. Okay, so okay, the Federal Reserve is going to shrink their $8.9 trillion uh, portfolio. Here are answers to the five most commonly asked questions about how it's going to work. It's the mechanics. And it gets confusing because of the way the news reports it. I'm not 100% sure that everybody else understands it on the news either. When the Fed shrinks their portfolio, is it selling bonds? And so this is interesting. So, Danny, I don't know if you did know this. No, the Fed isn't selling bonds. They're letting them expire. So this is a big uh, difference. Can you keep it up, Zach, so Danny can read it? So it's a big uh, difference. They're not just going into the market and selling. They're just letting them expire. And it started just this month. It started on uh, Wednesday. They're going to allow up to $30 billion, uh, in Treasury and $17.5 billion in mortgage bonds to expire or to mature every month without reinvesting the proceeds. By the way, this doesn't start until June 15th. So that, that isn't, you got to understand that, right? Like, they're not, they're not going to go increase the money supply. They're going to let them expire. And so you might be saying, well, okay, what happens to that money? Oh, it's a great, I think it's a great question, and I'm really grateful for this piece. So it's the question at the bottom here, underneath that ad. What does the Fed do with the money it receives from the payment of principles it's holding? Are you ready, Danny? Yeah. The Fed essentially created money out of thin air to buy the bonds. Now it will destroy the money in the same way. What did Danny shock yeah, well, look, it's it, th the easiest way to think about this is think about stock. So a company issues stock, and they when they issue stock, the outstanding shares are the or the, the shares you can buy in the in the market in the open market, right? Mm -hmm. The shares issued and outstanding, they still have some quote treasury stock, no pun intended, but they have some treasury stock that they have on the shelf that they can issue more of later and dilute existing shareholders, just like devaluing the currency. Right, right. Or they could go, when they do stock buybacks, they buy stock in the open market, which is bullish for that stock, but they buy back the shares and they stick it back on the shelf in the treasury so they're not in circulation. So when the, when the Fed takes money out of the system, essentially what it does is whether it just doesn't reinvest the interest in principle or whether it literally buys back the bonds and suck, I mean, not buys back, but you know, takes the money out of the banking system. It can just stick it in this little vault, if you will, the side account, it just takes it out of circulation. That's what's known as the, the reserves. The, what are the reserves in the, the total money reserves, the money supply in the banking system? And so when they start sucking that money out, right now they're supporting the, the bond the, the, the bond market, especially the treasury and muni bond market. They're the biggest buyer by far. If they stop reinvesting and buying those bonds, a huge buyer went away, 
So now the, there's more supply and less demand. So the price is going to go down, meaning interest rates go higher, but the price of the bond goes down. That's going to put pressure on interest rates, which is not real good for the economy, but that's how they're tightening. So they tighten two ways. By declaration, they just raise the short-term rates, but then to control mid and longer-term rates, they stop buying bonds. That was called QE back in the you know starting a decade ago. They call that quantitative easing. So they are no longer going to do any quantitative easing. And by the way, you, you the listeners probably thought quantitative easing disappeared after the economic crisis and then just was reinstituted a little bit during COVID and then went away. No, they kind of been doing it all along in different, in different amounts. This but they such- never, after the economic crisis, they never really completely tapered or, or pulled back. Well, now this- they're finally doing it because it's created this monster. And now they got to kill the monster. This is such a different ball game than what's been played in the past. When you, and this is a Fed-induced economic slowdown. Like the Fed created the it, it, maybe the economy w- would have recovered naturally uh, after COVID. They, they stepped in and did a lot of great things during that period, but they, they kept it going too long, clearly. And and now here we are. And so some might say, well, they've already uh, crashed a lot of tech and destroyed a lot of uh, demand there. But they've got a, they've got a ways to go. They haven't done the tightening yet. They haven't reduced the money the money supply. And you have to see if you go back to that chart. Um, and if I went all the way back in this chart to I don't know if it goes back this far. I don't. You know what I I chose not to run it back this far um, to 1982. You'll see the money supply tighten. And it's 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 why you need. I think we're going to cover it in one last thing the two things you need to be watching in this market to kind of gauge where, um, where stocks are potentially headed. Um, this is, the, we haven't even gotten, I don't think, Danny, I don't think we've gotten into the serious part of the Fed's policy here. I mean, well, the, we're it, repeating, we're repeating the seventies, almost very close. Now, whether you're late seventies or early seventies, nobody really knows. But during the period of the seventies, once we got to the other end and started the recovery, both in bonds and stocks, the stock and bond, the bond market lost about 40% of its value adjusted for inflation, maybe 50% and stocks lost 60%. So we may only be one third the way into this thing if it repeats like it did in the 70s and it's prolonged. And, and let me explain a lot of what we're doing here. Like all the shows that we're doing, uh, starting with 400, um, if you go to revereasset.com, tomorrow's insights, and if you're able to just click that podcast tab, works same on mobile. Episode 400, 401, and 402, and now 403 is building upon this uh, and I think everything you need to know as a consumer and what we're just so early. I feel like we've been talking about this, uh, Danny, ad, ad nauseum for the, this year. Like, I don't think this is nothing we're saying is new. It's just giving people more context because, look, there's always an and we've covered how to get back in. We've covered how to how to how to. Get rid of FOMO. Dan, Zach, was that last week's show? 
FOMO? Yeah, how to get rid of FOMO, how to, how to how to ease back into the markets, and you'll never ever have to worry about missing it. So you don't yeah, have to jump. Like, like, yeah, I, I think you use yeah. FOMO a lot, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We can. And look, I don't think the Fed is anywhere near done their what they're going to do. And Danny, there was a rumor going around. I I don't even know how they start that the Fed was going to pause in September. And then uh, Brainerd came out yesterday and she just squashed. Maybe it was Wednesday. She came out and squashed that whole notion. We're not pause. Why would we pause? Why would we stop? Uh, what well, we Bullard, made, Bullard made some dovish comments a couple of days ago and I was shocked because he's normally pretty, he's a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's a little bit more realistic. So uh, scrolling down here, the, the thought here is, well, what effect does this have on the, uh, uh, on the economy? And the answer is it's going to have a, it's going to have a negative effect. I mean, does anyone re- regard the, the late 70s, early 80s, uh, not, not until 82, when this finally ended, do they regard that as the roaring economy? And I, do, do I, look, am I really pessimistic? Um, and do I think that it's going to destroy uh, a bunch of people? It, it, it's not. It, it's not so much the uh, doom and gloom. It's if you're closer to retirement, your target date funds with your with your bonds in there, Danny. What, just one more time. What's happening to bonds right now, please? Bonds are getting hit and they're going down. I mean, they've rallied a little bit the last week or two. Just the Treasury bonds, but that was more of a flight to quality. But the, but the bottom line is there's pressure on bonds. A lot of a lot of bond sectors are down double digit here today. Don, are you still short bonds? Yes, we are. Yeah, and- TBT. A TBT, and and it's because bond prices are getting destroyed. And you might think, well, I'm getting that yield, and the yield doesn't make up for the price destruction. So, so let me give you a little fact. Between okay. 1977 and 1979, Treasury bonds, which are supposed to be extremely safe and quote risk free, lost 32 percent of their value. So if you think you're in the late 70s, you may just be in the third inning of the Treasury bond. This is why target date funds that just automatically switch you around. Or, or we can call them target, target date doofuses that work at the strip mall advisor shops ne- next to the vape store. When they just automatically switch you in based on some antiquated 60-40 model or even, or even less, like 40-60 or 20-80, meaning 20% stocks, 80% bonds, because you're older and you need bonds, you're getting crushed. And if you go to, when you go to sell bonds right now, everybody knows you're having a desperation fire sale. You're having a going out of business sale. So what are they going to do to your price? They're not, you're not getting the bid ass that's on your screen, man. You're, you, when you go to sell those bonds, you're, you're, you're going to get hosed. So the advisor, or maybe it's you, that were buying individual bonds, good luck. Like TBT is an ETF. TLT is an ETF. Like ETF funds, uh, they're, they're fine. They're liquid. But the person that gave you the individual bonds and you, and you, Danny, how big is the bond market? And can you just explain to people how that works? <laughs> the bond market is massive. It's the, by far the biggest market in the world. It's much, much bigger than the stock market. Uh, most people don't realize that. And by the way, that really may be the thing that causes the Fed to pause and say, uncle, because between you, me and the lamppost, they don't care nearly as much about the stock market as they do the bond market. It's all about the treasuries and can they issue and redeem them. Yeah, it's all and, about how to finance the government, even though they say they're 
to protect the dollar and whatever. Now, if enough pain is caused in the stock market where the constituents start to bitch at their congressmen, then even though the Fed's supposed to be apolitical, they may get enough pressure yeah. to ease off. But we're not there yet. And we're very pain adverse uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a nation. We think the Fed's going to come in here and, and protect us. And the Fed's job right now, the mandate for them right now is to kill inflation. And that naturally is going to have a detrimental effect on the money supply. And it's naturally going to have a detrimental effect on the credit. And we're at, we haven't seen it yet. It hasn't hit yet. And look, I hope it doesn't hit. I hope that I am wrong. And that's the beauty of the markets. Like, that's the, that's the beauty of our approach here at Revere. Just because this sounds like a very bearish show. It sounds like a very heavy show. But I can change. I, 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 if, you, if you've listened to me for any amount of time over the last eight years, you can change your mind. That's the beauty of the markets. It presents you new information every day. And so maybe there is something that's going to happen that uh, gives us a soft landing. But right now, I don't, I don't see it. I, Danny, if you see it differently, you, you, I know you'll speak up. Um, and and how, how, how is the Fed going to navigate? They're not a precision tool. They're a blunt force instrument. They can't get it. OPEC pumps more and it, and it reduces pain at the pump. Great. But does that drive down the price? Does that drive down inflation? Well, look, <laughs> If, if, you know, we're very active and tactical and we make adjustments all the time and you see some very, very strong rallies during bear markets. In fact, the strongest short term and midterm rallies occur in bear markets. Now, if I just had to have a pie chart buy and hold through thick and thin and not and, and, and not make changes, which I'm not advocating and not recommending, I would have very little equity exposure because I was going to hold for you know, years, I would have at the moment, I would have very little equity exposure, very little op, uh, uh, bond exposure, and I would lean toward a few sectors like energy, commodities, precious metals. I mean, that's where and I'd have less precious metals. I'd have more commodities and, and ag and stuff like that. But, but you know, the long-term outlook at this moment is not good unless it changes. Now, the other thing you got to remember is the, the stock market falls three times faster than it goes up. So you may get such a big washout and sell off. You Maybe, I, I have no idea. That's why we watch it all the time. But if you get a strong enough sell off, the stock market could cor correct enough before the recovery begins that a rally, a, a long-term stock market bull market again could get reestablished and start before the recovery always begins because the stock market telegraphs it's one of the best leading indicators and, and that's the, why you right now you got to be active and the business cycle right now um appears to be in protection mode and elon musk a couple of days ago tells all his people hey go back to the office but then there's an email that comes out yesterday or last night uh, and it says, hey, um, we're going to cut 10% of our workforce. We're in a hiring freeze. And there's a bunch of companies that have done this. We've highlighted some of them. Um, this is super duper painful. And, um, uh, you know, super bad feeling about the economy. And so, 
not that Elon Musk is uh, the economy, but if enough people suffer enough job destruction, unfortunately, and we're a 70% uh, service-based economy, you know, we go spend our money on services and things, not a manufacturing economy, like China's economy, then, um, yeah, well, we're probably going to be in some trouble. People are going to pull in their spending hook. And uh, it, it really is an uneasy... I think this is an uneasy summer. I, I think that... Um, I don't think we've seen something... I don't... There, I don't know if we've seen a summer like this. I mean, maybe since 08. I don't know. I don't think it's going to get as bad as 08. It might feel that way because of the Fed just having the market back every step of the way for the last, ever since they reversed course. And, the, and they talk about that here in this article, and I'll link to it. You know, Don, when did the Fed try to, try to raise rates? When and, did they try? Yeah. When was the last time? Well, their last... You you talking about for, I I don't know fourth on a quarter, yearly basis before this fourth yeah. quarter oh, 2008 the big fourth quarter 2018 yeah yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they yeah and it was like one and done they got they got down to a twenty percent move in the stock market in the S and P's and they're like whoa okay we cannot do this anymore and that was in 2018 and the economy was humming along now. They, they're, they're trying to wean, I don't know a good analogy, but they're trying to, uh, I don't know, if, you're, if your kids watch too much TV and you're, and you're trying to wean them off of it and have dinner time discussion, yeah, it might put, put up a little bit of a fight, right? They're trying to wean the market off of this unnaturalness, and it's going to be very painful. And I, I think it's just completely evident right now and I think Paul Volcker said it best or stimulate give relief oh, we're going to cause more pain Danny how high did rates get finally before they peaked in 82 oh wow uh, some of the rates uh, peaked upwards of 20% on the more risky side like the high yield side and some of the corporate bonds treasury bonds got up into the high double digit with high teens 17, 18%. In fact, my grandfather in 80, 81, 82 went out on the courthouse steps. You could actually go bid an auction on the courthouse way back then on the courthouse steps to buy trade. And he locked in some treasury bonds and hold them till maturity because he locked them in at, I think, 17%. Yeah. And so this is, this is the thing. Just, um, I think we belabored the point. I, I, I was, I was going to go on a little bit more, but I, I just, there's good businesses out there and they might not be reflected by stock price. And I, I point, I want to point this out. Go to my screen, Zach. Like Salesforce reported recently. Uh, Salesforce, Salesforce generates $1 billion in revenue every 12 months. Like this John Ehrlichman, he's a great follow on Twitter if you're, if you're into it. But this is where they started. Looks like a little house, right? Well, they generate yeah, one little, billion. Little grainy video. Yeah, yeah. One billion dollars in revenue every 12 days. That's, if I told you that business exists, right? That's a great, that's a great business. But look, that's not emblematic of what's, what's Salesforce stock doing this year, right, Don? Like, what, what, are, the, what are a lot of the stocks doing? 
right now, I think it's... We just had a positive reaction to earnings, but yeah, it's in... It's high of 312, currently trading at 184, bottomed out around 155, so a 50% loss. Yeah. And, and look, companies can absorb that with their market capitalizations, but you at home trying to fight for retirement can't. And I, we, we've said it enough, I'm going to say it one more time. It's about starting from a higher base. So if you find yourself down, you could, there's always a way to cauterize the wound, stop the bleeding, because the buy and holders always, always, always start from a lower point in time. You don't have to be like the crowd in this instance. And, and that's what makes Revere different than every other asset manager in the, in the universe. Look, when price is going down, there are no good businesses. Just price. And... And the Fed has the playbook on what they're going to do with price. They're going to destroy it. That's how you get lower prices. Or artificially having the government come in, and whether Danny's price fixing, or which really what it is, telling the drug companies make prices lower, that's a price fix. It's all, it's all artificial. There's a natural process that kind of needs to happen here. And um, it's... It potentially could be really painful. So, well, remember, um, 1973, you had price fixing, and so they stopped selling. They limited the supply. You literally had to wait an hour in line to get your gas, and you had gas rationing. So, I'd rather have high prices and not gas rationing than a fixed price and have to sit in line for an hour and a half. Yeah, and and here's the thing too. You'll hear from old people. Uh, historically, rates are still low. That's a different market in a different time. Well, Tim, you're comparing what Volcker did. That's a playbook. That, that's, that's actually what the Fed's going to probably try and do, in my opinion. I could be wrong, and I always reserve the right to be wrong. But for people trying to come into the home market, and we're an ownership society, whether you own a home, own a stock, we're an ownership society, and that's how you get ahead in America. The, the, the price to get into a home with a mortgage is doubled. That's pretty much what happened with rates. They, they, they've done that. It's just a different scale, and you need to apply that scale to this market, not historically low. Yeah, historic, the, the people trying to buy first-time homes weren't alive in 1982. That's, that's, Zach, when were you born? Do I have to say? Yeah. Well, you, could, you, you could, could be honest. You could guess it. I mean, you could, you could give a give range. 92. 92. Ten years after the interest rate. That's and Zach, that's actually young, young, handsome, strapping just, fellow. Just turned thirty. Yeah, trying to get yeah. yeah. And so the the people trying to get into their their first homes, they they weren't alive when the rates were were doing this. They've been in this lower rate environment to the point where they were historically low. So it's just a completely different animal. Well, let's let's go ahead. But but here's the problem with the real estate: the lower rates have caused prices to go up so much they can't afford a home. Because it's too damn much. It's the Fed that caused the thing to begin with, and it's caused this bubble by the easy money printing, and now they got to cause pain to stop it. Bottom line. Bottom so line. what are you going to do as an invest at home? How are you going to handle it with this much risk in the market? There's a lot of risk. So can we get a rally from here? Sure. But you got a lot of headwinds on the longer term trend at the moment. That so, could change. So with that, I, I think it's a good time to go to Don. What Don's seen in the market. Don's doing with the portfolios, um, and and what he what he um, 
What do you like to share with you this week? Hunter is out this week, so it's going to be a lot of Don. But let me let me tell you about Don real quick. Don gets uh, his notes ready. He does a video every week. It's the uh, the big show. Let me show you where to find it. So you go to Revere Asset tomorrow's. Let me show you here. You go to Revere Asset tomorrow's insights. You click the tomorrow's insight tab. Now you can subscribe. Right, you get the video. We never, we have no sales pitches. We have nothing to email you. Completely free. Yeah. Other, oh yeah. Thank you for saying that, Zach. Completely yeah. free. Like just because it's free doesn't mean it's invaluable. You don't even log in. Don't even have to log in. You, you we, don't, we don't even. Do, yeah. We're so committed to not. We're so committed to being the anti uh, Edward Revere Lehman Jones. I don't know what that is. Right. If you could put that. In the we're so committed to being the antithesis of that. That you could subscribe and get it delivered to your inbox for convenience. Or you can just come to the website and watch the videos. We don't track you. We don't ask you to register. Marketing people would tell you that that's a mistake. But we feel that being your ally, being the person that you trust, is, our, is to our advantage. Because Dr. Orange market lovers don't suffer the things uh, that we often talk about on the show. But we know you have your, your parents, your friends, your family, your loved ones that do and you pass our show on to people. And that means the world to us that you trust us with your loved ones. And please keep doing that. because That's how we grow through your word of mouth. And hopefully every day we earn your trust. So you click tomorrow's insights. I'll do it here. And Don's videos. Everyone's videos. Hundreds of videos, my videos, they all show up in sequential order. Um, and so you will see Don's right. There's the big show from last week. You will see Don's show up right here. Top left. The big show. And so Don. What are you thinking about the big show? Is it Dirty 30? Uh, what are you doing? It's 21 over 21 will be the focus. If You, you showed the title there briefly of last week's show, oh, a big up. show which was transitioning to a short-term uptrend. Mm -hmm. And that uptrend has not broken. There, uh, there have been several challenges to it, actually Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to the downside. Uh, a big area in the S&Ps is the 4075-ish area. Uh, right now, we're trading at 41.07. We had a big day in the market yesterday, which was considered very bullish because there were two big pieces of negative news that came out and the market totally shrugged them off. First one was um, a EPS warning by My uh, Microsoft, which we gapped down in the morning and covered it almost immediately and finished near the highs of the day. And then, as you mentioned, um, Fedhead Brainerd came out saying, yeah, there's no reason why we wouldn't raise another 50%, uh, 50 percent, uh, 50 basis points in September, and the market again sold off down to this 4075 area, but it bounced right there. And it's very clear that that's a line in the sand for the market. You can notice the way you've got that line drawn there. If you look over to the left, that was the top uh, of two candles, so it's it's flipped from resistance to support. See that uh, green candle? where it came into it. Yep. Now go over a little bit more. That green candle was the last time we tried to get above it and we failed, uh, sold off again, got back above it last Thursday, Friday with that, uh, with the rally. And every time we're pulling back, that's containing the pullback. The market will be, will change character if that level breaks. We've added, uh, exposure progressively this week. Uh, accounts are at a high from this recovery off the bottom. And we're watching that level. We're just managing our positions. We're in some things that are outperforming. You mentioned TBT, which is short bond rates. Um, I'm sorry, long bond rates, short bond prices. Um, 
and LNTH, which is a, a healthcare stock that's acting well. We've got a couple of oil stocks that are acting well. And uh, we've got our stops in place. Our downside's about 1.5%. And uh, if that 4075 breaks, that would be a character change in the market. And it looks like that the, the last couple of days where we bounced would be a bull trap. And um, that's what we're monitoring right now. Big level there. All right. I'll tell you what, Danny. As we uh, as we bring this show uh, slowly to a close, don't go anywhere, stop. Uh, because the one last thing I think is something you absolutely want to see because it's gonna going to be what the market hinges upon. Okay, so Daniel, uh, give him. Can you can I see Danny, please? Because sure. he doesn't ever. Yeah, here you go, Danny. I'm speaking directly to you now. I'm looking right. There he can, is. Can, you, can Danny see me looking right him? I'm begging you this week, please. Just do the short show. Clip. Don't do that long thing that you do every week. The short one, please, that gets us out a little bit quicker. So I have a little more time for one last thing. All right, reach out to us. Thanks. Folks, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor, just sell them to revereasset.com. Go to the top right corner. There's a subscribe button. They can sign up for our daily market insights newsletter a short video we put out every day the markets open in the evening and then also this podcast uh, every weekend it'll get delivered right into their inbox we won't spam them or reach out to them in any way it's up to them to reach out to us if they want a complimentary portfolio review or just want to have a topic they want discussed on this show uh, you can also email us any of us at dan at revereasset.com Don, Tim, or Hunter at revereasset.com. And you can always call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. And if you want to see the portfolios we manage, um, you go to about, the word about, strategy. You scroll on down. You can see the core portfolios, the hybrid portfolios. And then Danny mentioned how to get a hold of us. And then if you're on a connected device, uh, just touch the phone icon and you will get connected to America's fiduciary, Danny Stewart. And we take questions. We take your calls over the weekend. We work when you are available. So, look, to say the market hinges on this, I don't, yeah, it might be a little dramatic. Uh, Don would probably say it's a little dramatic. But I haven't looked purposely today because I wanted to do it live with, with you at home. So here's the dollar. And I think what's interesting is the dollar, a couple things, that Don mentioned that markets are holding up, that they're not giving back um, that 40.75 level. And what's interesting is if you put, I don't want to put it on a shorter time frame chart, the dollar hit resistance here, and it's it's holding it's holding serve. You can see it hasn't get gotten above this level. And I've talked about this a number of times. If the dollar gets beyond these recent highs, you'll probably see more pain in the markets, and it's going to coincide positively correlated to uh, TNX. And so um, TNX is up today at one point. The the ten year Treasury yields. So you read this as yields are going higher. Two point nine five is how you read that they're going up the dollar price is going up although it hit a little bit of resistance and that's why you you're seeing markets find support but zach you go to uh me to the camera i don't know if you can see the microsoft cuts its forecast citing effect of strong dollar this is this is today's paper this is exactly the issue that the dollar's going higher the fed is cutting the money supply which naturally has an effect of tightening credit. And if you do any bit of reading or Googling uh, this weekend, you'll see that there's record uh, credit card uh, debt being taken out. And that, unfortunately, is probably not the greatest thing 
at the moment. So, um, look, we're always available to talk stocks and markets. We're always available to answer your questions, whether you're a client or not. We're here to empower individual investors, but I think you need to be watching the dollar and TNX. And, of course, that 4075 over that Don mentioned. Danny. And I want to point out oh. something. Microsoft, the dollar was higher when Microsoft reported their earnings on 427 yeah. than it is now. So uh, I think that's kind of some BS for them to blame it on the dollar. Are they, maybe, maybe Microsoft will blame it on supply chain. Where, uh, and I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here because that's what Snap did. Snap cited, uh, when Snap uh, gave their announcement, they, they were citing all the things that all the other companies were saying. It's like, dude, you're software as a service, you're a platform. All right, guys. Danny, take us away. Folks, we'll talk to you next week on Your Money. Barring any extrogenous events. <laughs>